Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus calls them hypocrites who fast and show off that they're fasting. We might more likely call him a hypocrite who is not fasting, but who acts like he is. A hypocrite is one who pretends to be what he's not, right? A religious leader who condemns adultery is discovered to have a mistress. A congressman who gets elected, promising to fight corruption, dances to the tune of his donors as soon as he's in office. An athlete who presents himself as the picture of clean energy and discipline tests positive for steroids. Hypocrites. They're not what they say they are. Such examples as these usually come to mind when we think of hypocrisy. And all of this certainly is hypocritical. But Jesus is not so concerned merely about people putting on an outward show that may not be entirely accurate. He's concerned about something deeper and more insidious. As a matter of fact, Jesus seems even to command an outward show. When you are fasting, when you are hungry and tired, and it takes a real concerted effort to look chipper and alert, give it all you've got. Jesus says, wash your face, anoint your head, and give everyone the impression that you're doing just fine. Is this hypocrisy? Certainly not. Jesus tells us to do it. Clearly, hypocrisy is more than just faking it. It's deeper, and it's worse than we usually realize. Some time ago, I was talking with some folks just out in the narthex, And the topic of Midwestern passive-aggressiveness came up. Minnesota nice, it's called. They'll never stab you in the front, only in the back. But be assured that even when they do, they'll be smiling. And to prove the sympathy they have for you afterwards, they might even lobby to pass a law against kitchen knives. It's kind of funny because it's kind of true. I suppose if someone's going to have a problem with us, we'd rather him tell it to our face. But is it really hypocritical to be friendly to somebody even though you don't much like interacting with him? This isn't hypocritical. It's polite. There may be a time to address a concern, but often it's better to just let it go. Or should we avoid being hypocritical by always being brutally honest? Doesn't it usually do more harm than good to tell everyone what we're really thinking? All for the sake of not being hypocrites? Never mind how it hurts others or disrupts goodwill and trust. Never mind whether your honest opinion has any chance to accomplish any good. Never mind. Is it worth it? Just so that we can say we're not being hypocritical? Well, of course not. It's good to be nice. Even Minnesota nice might be better than nitpicking criticism. It's good and pleasant when people are courteous and discreet. If you're not in a position to punish or teach or correct, how can your criticism possibly be constructive? Are we ourselves really interested in every honest opinion everyone might have of us? If other people's true feelings don't really matter as much as they think they do, maybe maybe our true feelings aren't always worth expressing either. That's not hypocrisy. 
It's good manners. But if you're going to be true to yourself, and you just have to tell someone something that's bothering you, well then, before you do, rend your heart and not your garments. That is to say, be brutally honest to God against whom you have sinned before you are brutally honest to everyone else who you feel might have sinned against you. Be true to yourself, sure, but be truly true about yourself. Be true to God. Before you bleed your heart to others, expose your heart to God. Confess first that you yourself are a sinner. Reflect on what you have done. You may well have valid concerns and complaints to others, and you may well need to express them, and you may well be the victim. But before you do, remember that God judges the thoughts and intents of your heart. Confess to him that you are dust and that beneath everything you put on display to the world, in your sinful heart is the cause of your return thereto, to dust. You're a sinner, and unto dust you shall return. The apostle says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So consider yourself first. Honesty can be cruel. And I think that's why we're too cowardly to be honest most of the time. We don't want to be cruel. But coming from one who has first been honest to God, honesty can be very brotherly and kind if it has first been tempered by mercy. For by acknowledging our sins to God with a true heart, we are all the better prepared to be humble before one another. We are all the better prepared to forgive when the one we confront by God's grace acknowledges his wrongdoing. And we're all the better equipped to give good counsel if any help might be needed or requested. And for that matter, we're all the better prepared to bury what annoys us about others, to say nothing if it is not worth addressing, to bear with one another in love, to remain silent. This is not hypocrisy. By washing our faces and anointing our heads and hiding how we really feel, we may well also wash and anoint one another's feet. That is not hypocrisy. It is love. And it is precious to God. So consider yourself before you peel away the layers of everyone else's respectable facade you see through it. Before rending anyone else's garments, rend your own heart to God. Confess your trespasses to one another, St. James tells us. Forgive one another. Exhort one another. Speak the truth to one another. Let love be without hypocrisy. Comfort one another. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness. Let each esteem others better than himself. Now this doesn't mean that you go around reminding everyone of what a sinner you are, lest you be a hypocrite. 
Even your pastor doesn't really need to hear about any of your sins unless you're sincerely seeking counsel and absolution, or unless you need to be called back and rescued. But if you're not asking for counsel or forgiveness, by all means, present yourself in a respectable way. Hide your shame. Come to church. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That is to say, stick around and say hi. Shake the pastor's hand and pretend like you care about other people. Even if expressing such basic social grace goes against your personality, stop being true to yourself. Wash your face, anoint your head, and invest in something more important than what comes naturally to you. Be true to one another, even if it feels unnatural, even if you must hide what you truly feel. Smile kindly to people you wouldn't normally spend time with if all things were decided by personal interests. And even if it feels like you're faking it, do it all anyway, as naturally and as with as good a conscience as when you decide to wear clothes when you go out. Or is that faking it? Where do we draw the line when being true to ourselves? How true are we ever willing to be? Cover and disguise what you must, by all means. Wear clothing, both literally and figuratively. The world doesn't need to see. But acknowledge this, that here, especially where we gather in the presence of Almighty God to hear His Holy Word, acknowledge this, that what gathers us together is not good-mannered civility, but a common sorrow and regret that we politely hide from the rest of the world and may not even be all that open about with each other, but that we do not hide from God. Before God, we are naked. Before God, we rend our hearts, even if before one another we keep our garments intact. Before God, we rend our hearts in repentance, silently. But out loud, we all say the same words. We rend our hearts in repentance. And God rends his own heart in relentance, if I can invent a word. That is, in the preaching of the gospel, he reveals that merciful desire to forgive you, which he has cherished in his heart from eternity. He reveals the pity he has for sinners, the pity and kindness and mercy that is in his heart. He reveals his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, for whose sake he relents from punishing us. For his sake, he covers our shame instead and clothes us in spiritual garments of righteousness by which we stand pure and holy in his sight. Now this had better be our common interest. We've got pride. By all means, guard it. We've got to face each other after all, so by all means, keep up appearances. But before God, don't you dare before God, your pride is deadly and your chin is too high. Repent. He sees what you hide from your neighbor, your wife, your own children, and from your pastor. And maybe these people don't need to know the half of it, but you can't hide from God. So don't. How much less, therefore, since you know how tender and compassionate he intends to be towards you. There's a certain natural acknowledgement that we need a mediator between God and man. 
someone who claims that the state of his soul is between himself and God, might well be half right as he tells you not to judge. But you find one person who truly leaves it there. Find one who says it's all between him and God, who doesn't want others to see his goodness and so bear witness that God must also approve. Hypocrites. Man knows he needs a mediator. Man knows he needs someone to approve of, admire, or praise, or even envy what good he does for God so that he might thereby have some assurance that God himself must also accept it. That's why we lie to one another. But that's some fine mediation, isn't it? Like the sullen high schooler who doesn't care what anyone thinks of him, but who sure puts a lot of effort into making sure everyone knows he doesn't care. Well, it's silly, of course, but this is a picture of the sort of hypocrisy Jesus warns us about. The Pharisees fasted. They actually did. They weren't faking it. They fasted longer and more strictly than any of us could force ourselves to do. They said they were doing it for God, but they were not content for only God to see it. Why? If God was pleased with it, if it earned something from God, why show the world? Simple. They cared more about what others thought than what God thought. They didn't love the sinners they judged, but they sure cared what they thought. When we can convince others to be impressed, the idea that God might be impressed becomes more believable. Hypocrites. Man needs a mediator, but public opinion cannot drown out the accusation of a bad conscience, that is, unless we lie to ourselves. This is the hypocrisy that Jesus warns against. Beware of the false teacher who preaches holiness while secretly he's a charlatan. Mark and avoid. Beware of the politician who spends his time in office getting reelected instead of doing what he was elected to do. Don't vote for him. Beware of the health advice of those who can't actually get healthy on their own without harmful drugs. Try fasting instead. There is a time for such warnings and counsel, and we should always be on guard, but the hypocrisy that Jesus warns us of this evening is not the hypocrisy of predators out there who want to exploit our naivete and gullibility. No, Jesus warns us about the hypocrisy that we all fall prey to every hour. It is the hypocrisy of claiming to do what we do for God when really we're doing it to be seen by men. Dear brothers and sisters, dear brethren, consider with me, please, what is at the core of such hypocrisy? And so consider yourselves, lest you also be tempted. At the very core of such hypocrisy is that we more readily believe that we are righteous before God. When lots of people, or at least a few admirable people, believe we are good people, we believe this more than when the Son of God himself says we are forgiven. Whose testimony will God more likely accept? When you are covered in shame, when you are sad, when you have betrayed the God who loves you, 
Will he accept the testimony of the crowd that shouts out in your defense, the assurance of sinners who insist you're a good guy, or the voice of his dear son who bore all the sin that we can't hide from his searching spirit, the voice of him who saw behind every veil and false smile we put on, who saw what we are too scared to show the world for fear of the world's judgment, but that we acknowledge to God in true sorrow and repentance. Yes, he saw it. Before we confessed it, he saw it even before he came to bear it. He saw it and weighed what it would hurt his soul, what pain it would cost him, what agonizing terror it would require him to endure for us. He saw it and he asked his father fervently, beseeching him if he could take it away from us. And this was at the very same time in eternity as when the Father asked him to take it upon himself, so united they were in this desire to save us. And Jesus said, gladly. The one who said gladly to this is your only judge. And he is the only mediator between God and man. In holy love, eternally deep and unfathomable, God stretched his hand out to you. He sent his son to be your savior to take your sin, to suffer, die, and rise again. In holy love, he who now intercedes for you at the Father's right hand of power also sends his Holy Spirit to persuade you daily to claim him, Jesus, as your only mediator. So who is God more likely to be persuaded by? What I say about you? What your parents say about you? What your kids all say about you when your lifeless body lies in a box? Or what his resurrected son says about you even now? Even while you still daily contend with temptation and guilt. He says it right now. Your sins are forgiven. Neither do I condemn you. And how much more will he say it on judgment day when you are raised to face the one who gladly bore your sin? Dear Christians, he is your mediator. Claim him. He who came from the secret place reveals the love of God to you and makes it no secret at all. He openly declares all of us forgiven and saved. Now there is an open reward. So let love be without hypocrisy. Speak to the truth to one another. We sinned against God. God sent his son to be our brother. He comes to you in front of everybody, just the two of you, and shows you your fault. And he gains you. He saves you. He treasures you. We sin against each other. When someone has been unbrotherly to you, or thoughtless, insensitive, or cruel. Please go to him. Just the two of you. Show him his fault. Confess your sins privately first. And pray that God might move your brother to confess his sins to you. Make this your goal. The goal of our Lord. To gain your brother. Treasure one another. Here on earth, as treasures we will still have in heaven. 
Treasure Jesus who speaks the truth in love. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard our hearts and minds in Christ unto eternal life. Amen.